In India, I met God in flesh, in the form of great yogis and devotees. Transformed by their yoga and their devotion, they were embodiments of the highest consciousness, the consciousness that is God. One time, my friend Haridatta Vasudev was telling me about some of the saints that he had met during his life, many of whom had actually lived in his home with his family. After one account, he paused and then said very intently, They are the glory of India. I agree and would like to tell you of the glory of India that I met, the glory of God revealed in humanity. The greatest of these was Swami Shivananda of Rishikesh. Rishikesh is a holy city in the Himalayan foothills about 20 miles north of Hardwar, another most sacred place. In fact, my favorite place in all of India. Shivananda was truly in a class by himself. He was the Lord of life and death. He held the keys of immortality. This is not poetry. This was actually demonstrated many times in his life. He raised from the dead both animals and human beings. Although I could describe the other holy ones to some degree that I've met, Shivananda was beyond description or classification. He loved, and we loved him in return. I don't think even his closest disciples could say any more. I met many great yogis in India, but among them Shivananda was unique. The other yogis, great as they were, yet produced in me an external awareness, the awareness of their vibration, their very high energy. Now that awareness was certainly beneficial, but in a lesser degree, because it was outward turned and reality is inside. Shivananda was glorious and a wonder beyond telling, as was always evident. Yet I found that the moment I entered his presence, I experienced inner silence and became increasingly self-aware rather than drawn outward. I saw and admired him from the base of my true self. There's a lot of talk about being centered, but Shivananda's presence made me centered in the silent core of my being that is pure consciousness. Now the other yogis, however advanced and pure they were, were yet still in the game of evolution to some extent. Even those in Satyaloka are still just that, in a world, in a loka, not in the transcendent reality of Brahman that is outside all worlds. Shivananda, on the other hand, was out of the game entirely. He dwelt in the transcendent, while yet loving and blessing us in the realm of relativity, and that is itself the state of godhood. Shivananda was golden. Goranga is the word in Sanskrit. His voice was the sweetest sound I've ever heard. His eyes were streams of love and joy combined. They healed and uplifted all that they looked at. A song written about him by Swami Shivananda Hridayananda, whom we all call Dr. Mother because she was an eye surgeon, 
says that his smile was like the moon. The moon is not blazing and doesn't hurt our eyes like the sun, just the opposite. The moon is cooling and soothing. No one thinks of the sun being fascinating, but the moon is, and people have been writing poems about it for thousands of years. Even more, it is a moon that fosters growth, which is why wise farmers and gardeners plant according to the phases of the moon. The moon is life-giving, life-fostering, and life-increasing. That was the smile and the very sight of Shivananda. Everything about him brought peace and brought harmony to the beholder. My first knowledge of Shivananda's existence came from reading a tribute he made to Paramhansa Yogananda when Yoganandaji left his body in 1952. Later, when I had moved to Hollywood, I found copies of two of his books in a bookstore, and I bought and read them both and was very impressed with them. In fact, they spoke about things I had never even heard of before. Asking around among the various members of Self-Realization Fellowship, I learned more about him from two or three people, and somebody gave me a copy of the Divine Life magazine. This had some articles by him and also a full-page photograph, which I took out and framed and put on my meditation altar. Most dreams are ramblings and ruminations of the subconscious mind. But according to Yogananda, it is possible to have superconscious dreams that are true spiritual visions. One of these occurred to me early one morning. I found myself standing in a dirt road in rural India, don't ask me how I knew that's where it was, but I knew, watching a bullock cart coming toward me. I had casually seen one or two photos of such a cart, so I knew what I was seeing. And when the cart came near, the bullocks moved to eat one to each side, leaving the tongue of the cart lying on the ground. Then, to my astonishment, Swami Shivananda stepped out of the front of the cart and walked down the tongue to stand before me. Now, I didn't know that at the time, but this is a standard way to both enter and leave a bullock cart. In fact, I did so myself later on in Bengal. As he was coming near me, I knelt down, and when he stepped onto the ground, I bowed and laid my head on his feet. I'd read that you touched the saint's feet, but never that you put your head on his feet, but it just came naturally to me, and is, of course, really very common. When I raised up, still kneeling, he put the fingers of his right hand at my third eye and a tremendous surge of power came from him that flooded my entire body. I experienced indescribable ecstasy so strong that it woke me up. For the next 10 days or so, I went around in a state of intense inner joy and consciousness. And that was my first meeting with Shivanandaji. A few months later, on a Thursday evening, Swami Premananda, one of Shivananda's disciples, spoke at the SRF Hollywood Church. As I sat there next to the left aisle, I clearly saw Shivananda standing in the aisle looking at me. I experienced great peace and a heightened inner awareness.
As time went by, the conviction started growing in me that either Swami Shivananda or Anandamai Ma would soon be leaving the body and that if I did not hurry to India, I would miss one of them. So I made preparations and left for India a few days after Thanksgiving in 1962. In India, to my surprise, I was told by more than one person that it would be a waste of time for me to bother going to Shivanandashram because Shivananda had become senile and basically useless, that he no longer gave spiritual discourses but only told jokes and behaved strangely, not at all like a sadhu should. The kinder ones told me that he was a great karma yogi, but not a real yogi otherwise, that he was more like a kindly grandfather than anything else. Although he will give you a lot of things, books and Ayurvedic medicine, they told me, but it won't be worth your while. But I had seen him for myself in vision, and I knew it would only be wisdom for me to meet him, and so it was. Interestingly, he never gave me a single material thing, no books, no medicines, but he certainly gave me an unending spiritual blessing. I first saw Swami Shivananda physically at an evening satsang. At the time, I was staying 17 miles away at Saptarishi Ashram, which was a few miles north of Hardwar. But today, the expanding city has completely engulfed the ashram surroundings. So don't look for it outside the city. There was a small residential school for Brahmin boys in the ashram, and one of the teachers came to me one day and said that he was planning to attend the evening satsang at the Shivananda Ashram and wondered if I wanted to go with him. Since Shivananda was one of my main reasons for coming to India, I certainly did. Because the weather was still quite cold in February, the satsang was not held in a second-story roof plaza outside the Diamond Jubilee Hall, as was usual, but in a basement room of the same building, that was virtually as cold and damp as outside. I don't think there were even 20 people in the room. When Swami Shivananda entered and sat on a chair, the satsang began. I don't remember much of it because for me, Shivananda was the only event that mattered. I do recall, though, that a South Indian man performed a harikata. A harikata is a narration by a single person of a sacred story that is interspersed with devotional songs about whatever incident has just been told. At the end of the Harikata, the man began to speak to Shivananda with great emotional display, including some very dry-eyed weeping sounds. The master just sat there calmly, making no reaction whatever. Shivananda often told such people, devotion is not emotion. But tonight, his silence and non-response indicated his estimate of the performer's sincerity. Also, throughout the whole performance, he had often taken out a huge pocket watch in a wooden case. The purpose of the wooden case was to deaden the ticking sound so his meditation would not be disturbed. Interestingly, the Eastern Orthodox monks of Mount Athos have the same custom for both watches and clocks. So anyway, 
Whenever Shivanandaji would bring forth the watch, Swami Devananda, his attendant, would hop up onto his knees, produce an immensely long flashlight, such as I'd never seen in America, and turn it on and direct it to the watch face. Shivananda would then snap the case shut with a bored look, and Devananda and the flashlight would subside until the next examination of the watch. Finally, it was over. Shivananda left, and so did we. But I had learned that it was no use for anyone to try and fool or impress him. That is, he himself might say, if he was a touch American, show does not go. Being a genuine person, he had no tolerance for fakery. My next sight of Swami Shivananda was with Stephen Wyland, a former monk, Brahmachari actually, of Self-Realization Fellowship, who two or three years before had come to India and become a disciple of Swami, also called Papa, Ramdas of Ananda Shram in South India. Stephen had stayed some time in Shivananda Ashram during his first visit and wanted to go there for at least a day. We engaged a taxi and went to the ashram for the evening satsang, which was in the Diamond Jubilee Hall. This satsang and subsequent ones were very different from the one in the basement. When Shivananda entered, radiant with divine luster, the place was transformed into a heaven world. I'm not exaggerating, not a bit. Many times later, during the morning satsangs, also in the Jubilee Hall, I would look out through the open door and be amazed that I saw the trees and buildings of the ashram instead of infinite space, because it felt as though we had been lifted far, far above the earth into a heavenly space. I wish I could convey it, but I just cannot possibly do so. But next time, I want to tell you about what I uh, call to myself a bit of comedy with Swami Shivananda. <laughs>